배는 Testing one, two, testing, testing. What is going on, guys? And welcome back to another episode of Restaurant Fiction, the podcast that reviews every single fictional restaurant, fictional bar, and fictional club in TV and film, as well as talk about the screenwriting process and the importance of said fictional restaurant, bar, and club. My name is Monis Rose, and I am the host. Today, this is a very special episode because we are talking about and reviewing one of the most famous, most notorious, most popular, most well-known bars or taverns, however you like to call it, in all of television history. It's called Moe's, and it resides in a small town called Springfield. Yes, that's right. The one and the only from the world of The Simpsons. Probably even more well-known and famous than Cheers, but that is debatable. Anyway, we have two very special guests coming on. First of all, we have executive producer of The Simpsons, Matt Selman. Yes, it says here that he has been a part of 455 episodes of The Simpsons. At least that's what IMDb says. As well as we have Dan Graney, and it says, and he's a producer, and it says he has 484 episodes under his belt. So what am I trying to say? I'm trying to say is that these two very cool dudes are pretty credible. That's right. That's right. So anyway, probably even more credible than us at Restaurant Fiction, and that is okay. Before we start this amazing review, just a little caveat. This is part one. Yeah, this was a good one. This was a good one. But it was way too long, so we had to cut it into parts. So part one, you are about to listen to the review of Moe's. We're going to talk about Moe's. Part two, we're going to go dive more into deeper into the Simpsons world in general, as well as the screenwriting process. So be on the lookout for that. But without any further ado, once again, this is part one, the review and the conversation of Moe's. With Matt and Dan. Enjoy. All right, guys, welcome back to Restaurant Fiction. You know, we like the town in Oregon called Springfield. We love it, actually. Don't get me wrong, there's a lot of other restaurants and bars and clubs out there, but one in particular that we have fond memories of and go back from time to time again is. Moe's Tavern. That's right. Now, what's interesting about Moe's is that Moe's is one of these bars that has tried to be cool. A little background, they have they have had even Aerosmith and R.E.M. at Moe's, and yet it has still remained a dive. Yes, it sits lonely on the corner of 57 in Walnut in Springfield. 
And it just sits there. It sits like a sorrowful, like the people who inhabit it. So how and why does Moe's exist? You know, it has existed for decades. Well, a little background is because the whole town has a corrupt mayor. And really, with that and payola and just paying them under the table, you can really make your own rules. When you walk in, you have the counter and six stools and a broken pool table and then some back rooms. I do not want to know what goes on in these back rooms. Let's talk about the bear for a second. Us at Restaurant Fiction, we've been to Moe's with almost every version of Moe's that there ever was. And the bear has always remained bad. It is never served cold. I don't know if that's because warm beer just gets you drunk faster. The mug that is always served seems frosted. That's really due to the accumulation of dust. Who's writing the jokes here? Oh, <laughs> Salmon in the house. So the premise is that Moe's is real, I guess. Yeah. That's the premise is that we're reviewing a real place. That's it. I get it. Okay, all right, continue. Yeah. But is there a market now for 30-minute restaurant reviews? Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's whole even two-hour-long podcasts of just restaurant reviews. I had no idea. I thought it was going to be like five stars, one star. We are much more than Yelp. All right. Got it. So they should call the show Restaurant Fan Fiction. (laughs) There's a lot of positives with Moe's. First of all, the owner knows his regulars. Second of all, drinking hour starts when the rooster crows and ends pretty much the whole next day. I mean, he'll just wake up all the patrons that have blacked out and started all over again. No one's rarely cut off. I mean, rarely, rarely. Wouldn't you say there's a certain lovable quality, even though he calls his clientele rummies and bums and whatever, there seems to be a certain gruff affection. That must be part of the charm. And I think I know why. It really comes down to when the zip code of your business spells boobs, there is going to be that that charm. In the reality which we're participating in as yes. reviewers in this thing, are, do we live in the Simpsons world or do we live in some sort of meta world where we can travel between different worlds? It's all the above. So our viewers or our audience, does it include people in the Simpsons world or does it only include people in the Family Guy world? Family Guy. We are... <laughs> no, you can't, no, the Simpsons world. We can keep it there. You, we're, we're <laughs> Basically, what it comes down to is we at Restaurant Fiction, we're giving Moe's a five-star review. Are we sacrificing our credibility as a podcast? If we give this place five stars, are people going to take our review seriously? We're not doing it for free beers. We're not doing it for money. Do they know we're alive? Can they see us? Like if we went into Moe's to review this, yes. are we? Yeah, this is what it's like. This is. I'm, and they see us? Yes. Okay. Yes. So they will, they'll know about our review. Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Will and it help them in Springfield world? It will. So it, it might be in the shopper? It will because they okay. want... They're going to be flabbergasted by this positive. So you might review. put it in the window or something like that. You yes. Might, okay. Yes. If you if you can somehow print it out, they'll they'll he'll print a sign. I mean he'll he'll go. Oh cool. yeah. Um, so we should get VIP treatment then. If he knows that we're helping his business, I think yes. we're going to get some freebies. Personally, I I I've never heard though of the owner giving out freebies though. It's an institution. It really is. It's that's what it comes down to. It's an institution and. We at Restaurant Fiction feel institutions need to be kept, flaws and all. How would you even review Moe's? The good, the bad, the ugly? Okay, so if we're giving our individual perspective, mm-hmm. I'd be like, 
comfortable joint for the regulars, a little uncomfortable for the reviewer. And so you have to make a decision about whether you're going to hang in there and become a regular and get the same sort of gruff, lovable, hostile treatment from the owner. Is it worth paying those dues to become a regular or not? And I would say it's only worth paying those dues if you're an alcoholic who lives very close to Moe's. Because there isn't really anything horrifying inside Moe's. It's There's cockroaches. Yeah, rats. Right. Like the cartoon version of Moe's is fun and cute and accepting. And, you know, it's where you go to share your feelings, talk about your problems. It's everything a bar should be. The reality of Moe's, the non-animated version of Moe's is a smelly, smoky, horrible, depressing, scary place that you wouldn't want to spend five seconds in. And everyone there is a depressing character. See, I think Matt doesn't identify that because Matt, as a pussy, like <laughs> would, would, would go into this bar and go, ooh, look at all these scary, sure. tough people. And I would go into this bar as a borderline pussy, but who's, who's actually been in a bar once or twice. They would take one look at me and be like, get out. Get out. So even if I, even regardless of my own terror and wimpiness, they would size me up and be like, take a hike. I went into a bar, not unlike Moe's, in Times Square about 20 years ago with my brother, mm -hmm. who is actually quite cool and gets along with cool everywhere, and, and I'm not. And we walked into this bar, and everyone looked up at us like, what the fuck are you doing here? And, my, and I said, I think we should go. And Tony said, no, we have to have a beer. And he felt it was more prudent to stay and have one beer than to suddenly start to leave. And that that would be taken, more offense would be taken. I feel both you gentlemen can survive the real version. Matt doesn't drink that much. He barely drinks at all. And this sort of environment really depends on everybody being alcoholic, depressive alcoholics together. Like, that's what the club is about. That we're all, everyone in there is an alcoholic and they're depressed and they're connected. When you're not on that wavelength, you don't fit in, you know? So uh, it's just not going to work. So no, it's not going to work for Matt. I don't like being around drunk people. They, they drink a lot at Moe's. Oh, they do. It's more than one beer. You know, it is the muttering, complaining about life, blame, you know, this sort of style of conversation. It's, you know, psychologically unhealthy. So, I mean, there's some solidarity. A good episode for this show would be uh, Cheers. Yeah. <laughs> there, that's a cheerful bar. I don't know. Maybe even the real life Cheerses aren't that, are a little scary. Well, I, when I was in England, yes, I've been to England, <laughs> they have a pub culture there that seems different from our bar culture, where people seem to go a little earlier in the day, leave a little earlier in the night, have one or two drinks, and it's more cheerful than the sort of hunkering down and drinking hard in an American dive bar. When I say Moe's Tavern, is there a specific episode that comes to mind? It's the most recent Moe's episode that we've worked on, which is next year's Halloween episode that has a piece set in the French version of Moe's. That's not Halloween. That's that other tri trilogy. Different trilogy. Trilogy episode regarding religious, on a religious theme. Mm -hmm. There's an installment that is set in wartime France in a a Moe's, M-E-A-U-X, tavern. Of all the different variations that Moe's has went through over the years, which one would you frequent? Would it be the like the family restaurant, um, Flaming Moe's, the gay club, the 
the French, you know, the French version that French one for me, gay one for me. One time Moe's became a gay bar was because another inhabitant of Springfield, which is real, noticed that all the other gay clubs were for the most attractive and muscular and fanciest, most beautiful gay men. And where's the market for just the kind of schlubs, the regular guys? Like not every gay person can be fantastically attractive. So Mo sensed there was a business opportunity in making his bar into a bar for gay men that did not subscribe to the high standards of body sculpting that maybe some others did. So he saw a market opportunity. It seems like if you were choosing between gay bars, that might not be the one you choose. <laughs> yeah, maybe I just go for the one with the hottest guys. <laughs> well, the Moho House is the one that I would be most interested in going to, but I wouldn't know how to become a member. I might have a friend who is a member, but they probably wouldn't invite me. How does Moe's Tavern enhance the Simpsons world? Well, whenever Homer has a problem and he needs someone to discuss it with so the quote-unquote audience knows what he's feeling, he can go to Moe's and say it out loud instead of having to say it to himself or into some kind of video diary, which is not as narratively sophisticated a technique. So Homer has a problem at work or with the kids or with his wife. He goes to Moe's and says it out loud, and then the other bar flies give him advice, and sometimes he will have a, then a plan of action based on that. This is true both as a narrative thing, and it's actually true in real life, and Moe's serves a function which a sociologist calls the third place, which is not work, not home. It's a place where you can speak to peers uh, outside the context of a status relationship or defined role, so you can speak more freely amongst peers. And many sociologists feel that America, American life now has been impoverished by the collapse of third-place environments for people to experience a sense of community. So in a certain sense, Springfield and Moe's is psychologically more healthy than the average American lifestyle because they, there is a place to experience that aspect of life. Take me in, say, a day in the writer's room. How often is Moe's Tavern discussed? Well, you know, it is, it's, it's, there's no typical day. One day we're here writing, next day maybe in a whale ship in the North Pacific. You come in and you find out what your, your gig is. It's like a different job every day. That's, that's why we love it. There's no specific plan of how it's going to work. It's Sometimes there'll be an episode with no Moe's. Sometimes there'll be an episode that's all about Moe's. Certainly Moe is one of the characters in the show who has gone from being a kind of side character to one of the predominant non-family members that you can tell an emotional story about. We've done, we've done a lot of episodes, but really where Moe is the main character and his feelings of loneliness and insecurity and anger. People say like The Simpsons has predicted everything. It's like, no, The Simpsons has done everything. Done so many stories and so many beats and so many stories. Yes, of course some of it's going to happen. We did a story about Moe's relationship with his bar rag. We've covered everything. <laughs> so Yeah, talking bar rag. Talking bar rag. Throughout history. We need, we're desperate for stories. If your viewers have any stories, please call and now the phones are open. Right? Isn't that how this works? <laughs> how can a writer make a restaurant or bar more than just a vehicle for characters to talk? There could be a robbery there. Dan? I always think about food and narrative. And remember like Godfather something or other three where they're making the gnocchi together? Like that seemed to be really woven into the story. I think that sometimes what's happening at the restaurant, the very particulars of it matter. And the more precisely that fits what you're doing, the better. But I don't know. 
the best way, of course, is to have your characters sharing a bowl of spaghetti and mm. they meet in the middle. That's right. classic. That gets everything That's the happening main thing. because you've shown that they are in a restaurant, but then you use that mm. to bring them closer together. The spaghetti connects the characters. You should do that at least once. Yeah. How else are you going to show that they've been connected, if not by spaghetti? What was the main question? It was... How do you make a restaurant... More than just a place to talk. We have a chase through it. They go to the kitchen. Right. Then people see there's a kitchen in a restaurant. That's very exciting. Also, it's amazing how cool kitchen staff is generally with stories unfolding in their space. Yeah, they're generally just like, what's this? What's this? I'm cooking. You guys have your big conversation about bringing the president down or drug deal or whatever. Right. I'll drop my tray of eclairs, but I'm just going to clean it up and get right back to work. Right. But I got to get this big pan in the oven. Right. Yeah. We're making uh, risotto and... It's very time-sensitive. We got our thing, and this giant fight that's unfolding in the kitchen, well, we don't have time for it. What is it about food, restaurants, and beer that mesh so well in the uh, Simpsons world? It's all about the donut, right? It's just the thing we love to eat. It's low-impulse control. Just your low animal brain that wants that donut, and donut is good. And Homer is governed by that, and I think it just puts the show in Homer at a very basic human level. You know, so the show has a tendency maybe to get too smarty pants and this keeps these things, beer and donuts, keep it grounded. I mean, just restaurants are funny. Eating is funny. Eating is silly. Greed is funny. Gluttony is funny. Food trends are funny. And coming up with fake foods is fun for writers just to think of fake sandwiches and make fun of food trends. And In the 90s, when I was in... Ukraine, where The Simpsons was in his early years. I remember talking to a Ukrainian, and he was telling me about this episode he'd seen where Homer was eating a giant sandwich, and he couldn't stop eating it. And he quoted to me, you know, in his accented English, he goes like, I can't say no to you, giant sandwich, or I can never stay mad at you, giant sandwich. And that was so universal. Cold War is not that far behind us at that point. They had been raised to see us as a very alien country, and they were seeing universal human relatable drives in Homer's love of a giant sandwich that was killing him. How is the food in the Simpsons writer's room? We're very fortunate. We have a kitchen with junk food, old school. We also have access to commissary here at Fox, where they make a lot of good food. So we're very good. We have the converse problem of you need to exercise some self-control. The trick here is to just eat healthily when you're at work, because otherwise you will turn into a real-life Homer. And there's an aspect of food and eating and writing that could be counterproductive. Food is comforting. Writing is stressful. There's a little cycle set up right there. And so it's not at all out of the question that you can become overly dependent on food for psychological release from the stress of writing. And since I don't think that problem can be solved, I think the thing to do is to manage it. And I think the best way to manage it is with very strong dark chocolate. Right. It's very satisfying. It's a kind of strong dark chocolate, but it doesn't, it's not hugely caloric. Green tea. Tea's great. Green tea is a great thing because after you've eaten some sort of snacky, horrible thing, it seems to break the pattern of wanting more. Use food to help you with writing, but use the strong stuff. Skip all the donuts, skip all that other stuff, go straight to the dark chocolate. For a lot of people, the writing process, and it's an anxiety-ridden process. It's unfortunate, but you have to make a lot of creative decisions. You want it to turn out well. You want to get the work done. 
It's a pickle. If you're nervous and you eat a giant lunch, you're going to be tired. No, the first big writing project I ever worked on, I wrote a play, a musical with a friend. All we did was eat ourselves into a coma one night after another because it was too fucking freaking darn gosh stressful. It was too stressful. The task of writing this thing was too stressful, so we would go down and eat, a, you know, onion rings and cheeseburgers and ice cream and pass out. So it was a very slow writing process. Be wary of escape hatch that food can offer in this thing. Matt, you wrote this episode called The Food Wife? Yes. But not in this fictional reality. No, we're out of the reality oh, now. Yeah. He's going to make it, edit it. I'm going to edit it. Yeah. So that, like, the one half will be the fake review with our little comments that sort of fit into the narrative there and then there'll be like a a long tone a beep and then we will that's very elegant (laughs) and we'll talk about the show from a production perspective guys what matt said is right you just heard the whole conversation with mose and that was part one Well, part two is coming up. It's the episode after this one. It's going to air in two weeks from now. And we're going to go deep into the Simpsons world, deep into some specific episodes, and even deeper into the screenwriting process all about the Simpsons. And guys, if you want to tune in and watch Matt and Dan's work, well, that's pretty easy to do. Obviously, you can go back and watch reruns and or you can tune in to the 30th season of The Simpsons, the 30th season of Moe's this Sunday, September 30th, 2018. My name is Amonis Rose. And as always, keep it real, keep it fresh and keep it on the flip side. Cut to Exterior Interior Restaurant Bar Club Day Night At Farmers Insurance, we know a roof can withstand a lot. One exception being an airborne car. Seen it, covered it. Click for more. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Underwritten by Farmers Truck Fire Insurance, Exchanges and Affiliates. Products not available in every state. Geico presents Yikes. Another voicemail from your roommate. Sup, roomie? Hey, a pipe burst in the basement. It's completely flooded. Anyway, I called for someone to fix it, but in the meantime, I was thinking we could finally have that indoor pool party we've always wanted. I got some cool swan floaty things already going. Could you pick up some chips on your way home? Later. The Geico Insurance Agency could help keep your personal property protected. Like if your roommate isn't the brightest pool float in the flooded basement. Visit geico.com to see how easy it is to switch and save on renter's insurance.